0: Amen, amen. Oh, you got me? Hey, hey, amen. You got me? All right, all right. I'm on. You can tell your head's tall as that speaker. Cool. Thanks, man. Look how strong you are, too. Look at this guy. Yeah. Oh, I grabbed it last week, and I don't want to do that again. Hey, uh, good morning. Welcome. Uh, glad you all are here on this, yeah, sweltering day, and uh, as we're into summer and summer travels and all. My name is Carl Messenger. I serve here as one of our pastors and elders, and really is a joy to to do that with you all um, you know I um, in fact, this is kind of a fun Sunday for me and for my family because uh, right after like I say amen we're gonna, we're going to dip on out of here and drive up like crazy people to Canada and so um, which is which is not close to Florida and um, so uh, this will be a short sermon and um, and and I 'll need much prayer, so thank you for that but well, it's cool, you know, as as we're getting to know you all and, and, and vice versa, you know, uh, you've probably, I hope you've met my better half. You will either think more highly of me because I got her or more lowly because she's amazing. And so if you haven't, my wife Liz is right in, look at this corner spot, <laughs> cornered. She is, she's cornered. Don't, even though we have to leave quickly, maybe you, you she's right there. You can say hi to her afterwards. And I'm sure you've met or been terrorized by um, our uh, four kids running around um, taking over. It's quite a battle between the Coon kids and mainly Avelia and Luciana on, on who's running this place, um, but just know at, at all times one of them or all of them are, and so um, it's just a lot of fun. And so God has, has blessed my life in a zillion ways, the chief of which are just the family he's given me and my wife Liz and these four kids, no greater honor um, in my life or responsibility than to just love them well. And so I'm a work in progress, but uh, I try to. But one of the things, we like to do a lot of things together, namely eat. Um, and and then we do like to travel. And so the nice thing about a road trip to you know Canada is uh, French fries and gravy when we get there, but just a lot of food and stuff. And so that's pretty fun. But... Um, one thing we just did is we actually we just booked a cruise for next year, so it's like oh, I wish it was sooner. Um, and uh, one of our stops is Cozumel. Any anybody, anybody been to Cozumel before? Some Cosmel, pretty cool spot, right? It's kind of it's kind of my jam when it comes to you know the country that it belongs to. And so uh, we were looking at it, and I like to plan things, and so I'm looking at you know shore excursions and stuff like that, even though it's far away and poor Liz. But I remembered the last time we went to Cozumel, it was like five years ago. And we went on another cruise with um, like two of our best friends, uh, George and Chris and Kristen Odom. And they are just a joy. We met them at our church in Detroit. Uh, we were in city group together. That's really how we got to know them. And as we were just meeting together and hanging out, like we, we just really clicked. Like one of those couples where as we got to hang out more, uh, like we liked both of them. And that was cool. And so we are like, hey, we could go on a trip with you. And so what you need to know is that George, um, he still is, but he was an FBI agent in Detroit. And I don't just mean guy behind a desk. He was on the counterterrorism unit. So where are my 24 fans? All right. Okay. Jack Bauer is my friend, the real Jack Bauer. And so we would hang out a lot. We we couldn't be more different. I was a pastor and he was his I, how do you? What's another way to say that? I was going to say, just awesome dude, and um, could do certain things and set of skills, and um, so they'd come over all the time. We'd hang out, and I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't lock my doors, and I would, I would, I'd, Liz can. I've said this. I said, you know what? I hope someone breaks into our house while George is over, because me and George, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll just keep everybody safe. Never happened, unfortunately, but I hoped it would. But anyway, we're in Cozumel. You might be able to know where this is heading. And so um, we're on the beach with our wives. It was nice. I'm sure we were showering them with palms and grapes and things. And that got boring. So George and I decided to, like, hey, let's go into the little village area and see if we can get a deal on some local products, um, like of the agave um, nature. And so we go up there to the guy at the bar Thank you. Those of you that get it are cool with it. Those of you that didn't, you would email Mitch, and so we won't do that. <laughs> so, remember, I'm gone. I'm in Canada. Can't call me. And um, and so we go up there, like, hey, is there a place we can get some local, uh, you know, things? And the guy lights up, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kind of whistles, like, which I'm not very good at, to a guy, and... Hey, come over here. And this guy comes over, real big smile, and, oh, yes, 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 come come to my hut, because it's a bunch of huts there, normal enough. And, uh, of course, like a movie, it's not the first hut, or the second hut, it's all the way down the farthest hut. And so I'm like, all right, I got George, so let's go. And so we ducked down to this dark hut, and it couldn't have been darker. I mean, there's no electricity, I don't think there was electricity, and, um, and, and it's just pitch black, and... and all along the walls are all these unmarked bottles of agave juice. And on there, and we're like, oh, hey, this, this isn't what we were, we were looking for. We wanted, you know, the dawn and things like that. And I'm getting really good at this. And, uh, and the guy like, no, 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 no. It's, it's local organic. It's not the filler watered down stuff. We're like, all right, here, try some. And so we tried some, and, and it was fine. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't like, oh, I've got to have it, but also wasn't like, I'm spitting it out. Okay, I don't know, you know, how much is it? And it was a super high number, We're like, ooh, too rich for my blood. And then, we'll oh, try this one, try this one. And um, truth, truth be known, not for the reasons some of you are thinking. I, I don't know how many we had. They just kept, try this, try this, try this. And so George and I are there looking at each other. We're like, we don't want this. And so we kind of felt we had three choices here. We we could either just, you know, just buy a bottle and, like, be done with it. Thank you so much. And if we poured it out, let's just, like, give them 40 bucks and get out of there. That was option one. Option two was really politely, like, decline. Like, hey, thank you so much for hospitality. It was very nice of you. It's not what we were looking for. Um, please let us leave. Um, and then we just guess to the third one, which was, like, I got, got your six. What does that mean? Like, okay, let's go out. I'll go first. George, you cover me. And, and like, I mean, it was like in the moment, it was real. I mean, I was I was a field agent. I CTU. With no weapons. But I had George. And so, anyway, my, my philosophy when you have multiple choices is why I just pick one. And so we picked two of them. We decided to decline nicely, but then kind of like, You're going to let us leave, right? Um, Anyways, you can tell. I live to tell about it. George, I don't know. You'll have to check my Facebook friends. Actually, he doesn't have it because he's a real awesome dude. And so um, we live to tell about it. But in the moment, it was was really like, this is going to get real. But you know what? Listen, I'm a hockey player, so I I, I never turn down a fight. I think Mexican cartel might be where I draw the line, though. But... But for me, like, it was kind of exciting because I had George. I, I, George was with me. I had someone with the actual ability and I think desire, we're friends, to protect me. Like, no matter what was going to kind of happen, which it didn't happen, like, that would have been a story, right? Oh, there was 20 guys on us and I just watched George kind of, you know, like a cartoon. Um, and, uh, but it was like, you know what, it's good because I've got George. I don't need to be afraid. And so where, where I want that to connect with our, our text today, as we're going to be in Daniel 6, Daniel in the lion's den, it kind of felt like Daniel in the agave hut, is is that, friends, we've we we've got better than George. As much as I feel like untouchable with George, anywhere, the streets of Detroit, <laughs> the huts of Cozumel, I mean, you know, it's 50-50 on which is worse at sometimes, depending on the time of day it is. But, friend, we've got better than George. We've, we have Jesus. We have another in the fire, another in the lion's and We have another. That song we've, we sang a couple times here, and may or may not make its appearance again, is that there's someone out there. If you're like Peter, and God's calling you out somewhere, like walking on water, like that doesn't happen, right? You can't do that. Just like Daniel couldn't do the things he was asked to do. But... Because of the spirit of the holy God was within him and is within us, we can also. And so that's what we're going to look at today. If you see your sermon note cards there, there's a first blank right off the bat here. This morning, as we enter the lion's den here, we'll see that we're never alone, nor are we ever outmatched. And so those are a couple of blanks. There it is. You can read. Awesome. And so open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel 6. It's about two-thirds through the Bible Page wise, Old Testament Daniel is the last of the major prophets after Ezekiel. That's a big one, big big one. Find Ezekiel and go a little past that, and you're in Daniel. And Daniel, I love the book of Daniel because it's it's so much history. It's like half history, all prophecy, and and it's, it's prophecy for that time for those people that God was speaking to and moving in pagan kings and and lowly humble indentured servants like Daniel, that God was moving. And it's a word that he was going to move again. And there's all these timelines. Uh, in fact, Mitch is going to get into some of that fun prayer stuff um, next week. And leading to the time of Christ. And then, and then prophecies today. How, how might we live as far as Christ? And so uh, Daniel is among the Jewish exiles. Back in 586 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, you've, we've talked about him, I think, every week during this. Um, he conquers Jerusalem. And he takes back uh, what are known as these waves of exiles. Basically, they're really slaves or servants. Now, Daniel and a few of his other friends, they were really, really sharp guys and really faithful. and, And they had a lot of use for the king. So the king kept them in his court. They continued to be faithful in this pagan culture under this pagan king. With all these ungodly people around them, they remained faithful to God. They didn't revolt and like, you know, what me and George would have had to do. Um, They also didn't just bow to it, literally, and you're going to see that again in this text, is that they stayed faithful to God amidst this just chaotic, evil world around them and and that they were working for and all these things. And, And they earned favor, rose up in the kingdom. Now, chapter 6 is, is really, really an important chapter. And I love that it comes on the heels of chapter 5, which is a really interesting chapter. As, as Mitch shared last week, um, the king in charge of Babel at the time is a guy named uh, Belshazzar. Now, Belshazzar actually wasn't even the official king. His father, Nabonidus, was. But as Mitch shared really well, it's been 23 years since Nebuchadnezzar had died, who was this great king by all metrics Um, But then, as often is the case, you can't replace the great king. And so there's all this fighting and turmoil and bad leadership. And and it all is crumbling. Literally, in chapter 5, with that day, it will come to an end as Persia comes in and kills Belshazzar. And now Persia becomes... Uh, top dog. That's really how it was back then. If you you study history at all, you have this great world power and then they get conquered and there's a new world power and then they get conquered and so this is what's happened. It's 539 BC and the Persian army has conquered and captured Babylon and now this reign of Persia comes in which it's only going to last about 90 years before they lose both Greco-Persian wars and four of you cared about that but I thought it was fun. So um, so right now, and then a uh, millennia of Roman rule, and we can keep going. So um, that's what's going on. So here in, in chapter 6, um, let's see what's happening here in, in, in verse 1. It says this. It says, a seemingly good idea to Darius. Now, Darius is the guy who was placed in charge more than him in, in two seconds. He appointed over the kingdom 120 satraps, so kind of like little provincial governors, people to help control, rule pockets of this new kingdom. They just became this giant, giant kingdom all over Babylon. Over them, verse 2, would be three supervisors. So three over the 121 of these is Daniel. These satraps were accountable to these three so that the king's interests might not incur damage. Now, this Daniel, our Daniel, our boy here, was distinguishing himself above the other supervisors, for he had an extraordinary spirit. There it is again. And in fact, it was so extraordinary, he was so faithful, look at this, that the king intended to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Now, kind of an important little detail here, I just want to start with... um, the, uh, one of the difficulties that secular historians have with really the whole book of Daniel is actually this chapter, is they can't quite identify who is this Darius, and so there's, there's, there's like literally eight options. The main two that I just want to briefly mention is that he is the Darius the first, the King Darius, and that's this seems to make sense. We're like, oh, I'm King Darius. However. Uh, we know historically that that King Darius comes after King Cyrus. And we know that 539 B.C., King Cyrus of Persia is the king of Persia when this happens. Now, so, okay, that's interesting. Could it be a chronological issue, even a scribe issue, something happened along the way? And and that's possible. Um, However, the more likely um, option is that um, Darius... Uh, is not that King Darius, it's just either the right name or the wrong name, or you've got, you know, the Persian names, they had before this conquered the Medes, you've heard of the Medes and the Persians, Darius, according to this text, is a Mede, so he's coming in with different names, and in Babylon, and we also have some Jewish influence, because this is what we're reading, and so, that this Darius is either some other dude named Darius, or that's not the name that that Cyrus gave. But we do know that when the Persians conquered Babylon, that fateful night in chapter 5, Cyrus wasn't there. He was out conquering the rest of the known world. And so he, we do know historically he appointed someone to govern, to be the full ruler of Babylon's new kingdom. So that's who this guy is. Whether his name was Darius or something else, um, or if there was a mistake, the point remains that this is a real guy who is in charge, and he would have all of the jurisdiction in Babylon of a king, especially back then, you couldn't text the king. Um, So in order to be um, responsible, which is also the the example set here, point these guys, point those guys, so that we can have a more efficient rule. So I just wanted to get that out there, because that's an important part here uh, of it. But either way, Persia now controls Babylon, with Persian peeps in power, and Daniel is still finding favor for an extraordinary spirit. Let's read... Uh, verse 4. So that's all great, right? However, consequently, uh, the other guys that were in charge, 122 of them, I guess, uh, were trying to find some pretext against Daniel because they want to be in charge. And so they tried in connection with administrative matters, but they were unable to find any any such damaging evidence because he was trustworthy and guilty of no negligence or corruption man I tell you take anything from this uh, there are some of you in here that that verse verse four is where you're at like oh mama that's how I feel I am in working for maybe a uh, an unbeliever um, or a secular company or maybe a company that that might have some policies and procedures contrary to scripture or contrary to what you think is right and you're there like what do I do do, do I have to quit do i do I have to just uh you know even like disobey God in some of these things and fudge some things just for a paycheck like i like, how do i how do I live in this like what what is it with this verse you know how do you work there well just like Daniel did trustworthy um there's this extraordinary spirit, so don't curse culture and rebel we've talked about that throughout this whole thing, but don't just you know bow for a for a paycheck right and so be like daniel influence where god sends you your home might feel that way your spouse maybe your kids i mentioned the job wherever you go extended family okay summer we're going to see some of them you know tomorrow daniel verse five look at this so um they couldn't find anything wrong with him, and so they concluded, ah, we won't find any pretext against him unless it is in connection with the law of his God. And so these supervisors and satraps came by collusion, what a powerful word, to the king and said to him, they're really tricking him here, he said, oh, King Darius, live forever, blah, 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 to all the supervisors in the kingdoms, all of us, even the counselors and governors, all the whole lot of your peeps, all of us, which is not true, seem like a good idea for a royal edict to be issued, and an interdict to be enforced. For the next 30 days, let's just do a month, anyone who prays to any god or human other than you, O king, shall be thrown into, I don't know, a den of lions. Now the king said, okay, hey, listen, I'm in charge of this new huge area. Like, yeah, we, we need to kind of get this all in a central uh, government and a central figure. And yeah, like as we come in and religions change and there's all these people living under this great big tree, if you Remember? from Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Like, let's get them all focused on one. And I am in charge. King Cyrus has placed me in charge. And so, for a month, let's get a month to get our house in order. Sounds good. So he issues it. and uh, in, 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 Which is interesting, I have to say, before that, in the end of verse, of verse 8, if that's what's up there. yeah. So, and this is cool. It's really important to this. According to the law of the Medes the Persians. So when Persia conquered the Medians, and they kind of came together, they kind of adopted some similar things. And one of the things is, hey, listen, the king makes a decree... It's final. And so King Darius thought, okay, that sounds reasonable. Let's do that. And so trickery, jealousy, evil. I mean, the evil one is present in this collusion and in this this trickery of the the king and and all. So let's look at verse 10. So this happens, right? How's Daniel going to respond to this? It says, when Daniel realized that a written decree had been issued, he entered his home where the windows in the upper room opened toward Jerusalem. And three times daily, he continued kneeling and praying. Thanks to his God, just as he had been accustomed to do previously. Man, this evil edict did not change Daniel's devotion to God at all. Even though it was pretty clear what would happen if anyone was caught disobeying it. I'll even add to that, guys, it's just a month can do anything for a month. I mean, how many of us, don't raise your hand because you'd probably be lying, but how many of us could really do this? Or would we just kind of reason like, well, wow, it's only a month. Honey, it's, listen, we love God. We're going to serve God next month and beyond. Like, they just, I don't want you want me to die? You want me to throw in the lion's then? Of course not, right? But he did the same, same thing. And that ought to be true for us. That no matter what we face, because you will face it, in this life, you will have trouble. The vision is Jesus. And we're to look to Him, no matter what's going on. We are we are to look like Him, to grow and be transformed. And then we're to look with Him. We're to look out at this world. We're to look out at our, empl- our employers, at our spouse, at our family. And we are to look at our friends. And and we are to look with Jesus, with the heart and the eyes of Jesus, as we just sang, the sheep, those lost sheep. And we're to do that even if it leads us to a den of lions. Even if it uh, leads us to some sort of evil happening to us or around us. We are to look to him even if it leads to betrayal. And all the hurt that comes with that. Because the vision is Jesus. And he calls us to be and to make disciples. Now the rest of this text uh, in verse 11 through 28. I want to kind of read it. And I'm going to skim it a little bit. Um... And uh, but let's look in verse eleven. Here's what happens next. It says those officials went to the king by collusion. They found him praying. that, you know they set a trap for him, and they said, okay, he does it every day at whatever time. Someone go spy on him. So they catch Daniel. Verse twelve. So they approached the king and said, hey hey, didn't you you know just issue a decree you know like yesterday about this 30 day thing? And if anyone like you know prays to anyone other than you, like I don't know where, where do they go again? You're oh the lions den. That's right. Remember that. And he's like, of course. That's correct. And in fact, it can't be changed. There's that thing again. Verse 13. And they said to the king, Oh, shoot, you're right. You know Daniel? He said, of course I know Daniel. I love the Daniel. And he says, well, you you know, one of the captives from Judah, that's an important line there. You know Daniel, who's nothing like us? He's not a Mede like you, oh, great king. He's not a Persian like us. He's not even a Babylonian that's been here. He goes way back. Way, way back. Remember that Nebuchadnezzar guy? And he's an Israelite. You know about those Israelites. They don't worship us. They don't even... I don't even think that they even help us. They're doing their own thing. There's a whole lot in there. He pays no attention to you. Was that true? Not even close. In fact, what, what did we read the first four verses? The opposite. Like, there was no one like him. An extraordinary spirit. He was going to appoint him over, you know, basically to his job so he could go help Cyrus elsewhere. So he absolutely paid attention to him. Anyway, but by the way, he's basically spitting in your face with this thing. Verse 14, look at this, this is cool. And the king heard this. He was very upset. Not at Daniel. How could he do that? No, it's like, shoot, checkmate, right? And so he began thinking about how he might rescue Daniel. All afternoon, struggling to find a way. Verse 15, but no, remember, can't do it. So verse 16, the king gave the order, and Daniel was brought and thrown into a den of lions. The king consoled Daniel. I mean, this is amazing. Like, hey, I, I can't help you. But here's a little bit of advice for, you know, when you're thrown into a den of lions. Your God, whom you continually serve, will rescue you. This is a pagan king. He had observed that, his dealings with Daniel as, as your boss, as your spouse. Have your friends, you know, well, not last night, you probably wouldn't be here. Friday night, did they observe that? Verse 17, a stone was brought, because, you know, there's some imagery there, and placed over uh, the opening to the den. Ain't nobody getting out of that. In fact, the king sealed it with his signet ring so they'd know if anybody tampered it. And like just the final approval, this is what the king declares because of the law. And all of these were there, And nothing could be changed. Verse 18, and this is amazing. The king departed to his palace. But he spent the night without eating. And no diversions, i.e. entertainment, the ladies, Netflix and chill, none of that were brought to him. He was unable to sleep. What causes you to be unable to sleep? How often is it a thing of God or a worry of this world? Or an upcoming decision. What do I do? Or just this fear we have. I get it. I, I get it. But it's pretty amazing. This, this pagan king knew this was wrong. And he knew that this God and Daniel thing was real. Because every single time that he was with Daniel, the Spirit of God shined out at him. There's a word for us there. Verse 19, again, he hasn't slept. In the morning, the earliest sign of daylight, the king got up, he rushed to the lion's den. Verse 20, as he approached the den, I mean, this is incredible. He calls out to Daniel in a worried voice. Of course you would. Like, this is not going to work, but I'm going to try it. Uh, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God you know, whom you continually serve, was he able to rescue you from the den of lions? And Of course, he's expecting to hear, a rawr, you know, some big roar, right? and Burp from a lion or something, but... Unbelievable! You kind of know the story, so we're not quite wowed like we ought to be. But then Daniel spoke to the king. Imagine that you are Darius. You can't believe what you're hearing. O oh, King, live forever! Again, a little more genuine than probably the other collusion guild. My God sent His angel and clothed, close, clothed. Okay, all right. Closed the lion's mouths so that they have not harmed me. Because I was found to be innocent before him, God, nor have I done anything to harm you, O king. The king was delighted and he gave order, haul him up, get him out of there. And there was no injury for he had trusted in his God. Verse 24, I gave another order, you know, where this is going. Hey, the other 122, and maybe there were some governors snuck in there. Hey, bring them here. These lions is hungry. Let's throw them in there. And, you know, maybe their whole families too, but we'll just mention it there. Kind of like the agave. And uh, then verse 25, look at this. Then King Darius wrote to all the people, just like Nebuchadnezzar, except, you know, the first time, not the 40th like Nebuchadnezzar, but that's cool. Uh, He wrote this thing to all the people in the land. Peace and prosperity, shalom, right? What a prayer. Isn't that? I mean, that's, that's the heart of God. That these cities, that these rulers, that these people living under this great umbrella would have peace and prosperity. And that's the call of us to bring as he's put us right here. I have issued an edict. That throughout all the dominion of my kingdom, people are to revere and fear the God of Daniel. Look at this. I mean, talk about worship. For he is the living God. He endures forever, not me. His kingdom will not be destroyed. Yesterday, we destroyed Babylon and, you know, in 90 years, we're next. His authority is forever. He rescues and delivers and performs signs and wonders in the heavens. Also on Earth, He's not just this theist up there who did a thing once—Big Bang, call whatever you want—and then kind of watches us. No, He does it here. Jesus prayed on Earth, this isn't Heaven. This is a this is a theme. It's not just a New Testament thing. It's not just a one-day thing. It's not just a great little bumper sticker. This has always been what God's been about. This is why He moves in the lives of people, us, you, and calls us to be faithful followers of Him, devoted to Him, in a pagan world he's rescued daniel from the power of the lions i saw it i tasted it. and look at 28 and this also adds to the who is darius who so this daniel prospered during the reign of darius and the reign of of cyrus the persian which i think to me also supports hey cyrus was reigning and darius was under him but that's kind of that there and so but look at this i mean praise god but like not just like praise god praise the god you continually serve, for he was able to rescue you from the den of lions. Now, as much as I'd like to picture, you know, Daniel's this like super jacked superhero or Jack Bauer type, I don't get the impression that he was this tough guy. You know, like you know when Samson rolls in with his hair and like you know his untouchable like superhero stuff. Like I don't, that's not that's not Daniel's thing. He's not like, he's not really touching anybody. Including lions, I mean, I guess. And and so, like, this is like, he's not this, like, superhero. He's not George. He was simply committed to God. All of us are able to make that commitment. He figured out the gifts that God had given him. Now, his gifts were pretty awesome of visions. In fact, I mean, almost that last song kind of touched some of those prophetic giftings. Some of us have those. Other giftings. I mean, you're gifting. You may be like Eli and Eric. I can just play the drums really well. And so I want to do that for the Lord in this pagan city, in this pagan country, in this pagan world. He knew his gifting. He knew his calling and he was faithful to it. That ought to be the same for us. Our life's calling is no different. That is what it looks like to stand firm in our culture today. That this is what it means to stand firm for the Lord in our culture, in our city, at work, in in all these examples here that we've talked about. Amidst our fear, if we can't sleep at night, if we can't focus during the day, if we're always afraid that something bad's going to happen, we stand firm, and not because we're so strong. Like, let's go, pull up your bootstraps, flex a little bit, do some chin-ups. I hate those. We stand firm because there's another in the lion's tent. Because there's another in the fire. Another, you know, walking on the waves. I don't know. You know, Kevin will tell us what it is. Um, and, um, and there's another walking with you, sitting next to you right now, leaving from here, whether you go to Canada or the hall. <laughs> um, there's another. There's another there. And so... Yeah, it's, don't get this false bravado. I'm going to be like Daniel. That Daniel wasn't like that. And so the, the, back to the blanks on your card if you're into that. Whatever I'm facing, and these are going to be general on purpose because you're smart people. Whatever I'm facing, my decision, the action, the thing that I will do when I face that is I will stand firm. That will look like different things at different times. But I'll get eyes up on God. Eyes in on how he's moving or designed to move in my life, and I'll get eyes out on what's going on, at the at the scenario, the situation, the concern, the fear, the whatever I'm facing. Eyes up, eyes in, eyes out. And I'll stand firm. Whatever it is, my decision is to stand firm. You're facing something right now. What do I do? Stand firm. Every time. That's the decision. And we stand firm together and we trust God. Now, I just have to go back to this, this verse. Remember Daniel said, he comes out, hey, I'm alive. He was found to be innocent before God. Again, not because, okay, we, we already said he wasn't a tough guy. It's not because he was sinless. Why was he found innocent before God? Because when God looked at Daniel, he saw his son he saw that other in the fire and in the lion's den he, and so when he looks at us listen you've blown it so have i sin upon sin upon sin yeah sure testimony pre-jesus post-jesus today getting ready to loading the car this morning and the drive bathroom breaks there's going to be i'm going to need to stand firm i need Liz to help me all right but you've blown it you are not righteous Neither am I. I mean, you know, when I stand before him, it's not going to be, hey, yeah, you know, I was a pastor. Let me in. No way. No way. But if I've placed my full faith and trust in his son, Jesus, as the only hope that I have, not in my religion, my morality, anything good that I can do, walk old ladies across that cesspool out there, that's great. But it's filthy rags. It's nothing. Same for Daniel. But if our faith is in Christ, in His blood shed for us, then he, God sees His Son. And that is how we are declared righteous as Daniel was. We were made to bear God's image, not ours. Not some counterfeit identity or false self. But, oh, I think that's a blank. Yes, thank you, Jordan, my man. Bail me out. And through hardships, Daniel, he continued to come to this place of surrender, of trusting in God when it got a little hairy. And so we must do the same. You know, uh, Mitch, I forget if it was last week, a couple weeks ago. At some point during this thing, Mitch had an awesome analogy. Or word, he said, "Hey, be like Daniel, but you can't." And then he said, and "I'm like, yeah, that's true." Then he said, "But neither could Daniel. Even Daniel, like we look at Daniel, even Daniel couldn't be Daniel. It was God moving through him. He was faithful. He was open. He was devoted. He put his neck on the line, literally. And God showed up. And so, be like Daniel, even though you, you can't." But he could as God's spirit moved in him and through him as he surrendered. So for us, transformation, like you want to be more like Christ. I, that's why you came here this morning. Amen. That transformation, it will not happen until we surrender and let it go. You're not like, you know, Han Solo getting thrown in when he meets Chewy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to fight Chewy. You're not going to fight Chewie. You're not going to fight the lions. You're gonna let God fight for you. You're gonna let God show up. You're gonna stand like, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm either about to get eaten or something awesome's gonna happen. That's how I felt with George. Like, this is gonna be awesome or not, and and live your life that way. Like, I I can't do it. I can't earn it. But there's one who has, and who will, and that's what we we celebrate today. And so God is calling each of us individually. You, me, you, you, you. Whoever will answer the call and be faithful, individually. And then among that body, among that group, among that number, then all of us corporately to live this out. To know God, to, to find freedom, right? To be free from all the bondage and the things we carry with us. To discover purpose, our purpose, our calling, like Daniel. And then go out and make a difference. Not just sit on that talent. And so one of the ways that the church tries to help all of us do this together, including myself, and we have a bunch of new friends here that are getting on with it, and I saw some swag floating around. But one of the things that, the areas that we can come alongside you with that is something that we call Growth Track. Now, Growth Track is a thing, and you can get info on the website, RedeemerTampa.com, and then maybe Grow, and then Growth Track. I think I clicked you there. Um, But Growth Track guides you to discover your redemptive purpose, why and what can I do here for God, and then help you live out the life that God created for you, for us, as He plants us where He's planted us. And so there's three steps. First one's kind of meet us, like what's kind of the vision around here? And as, as Mitch shared, it hasn't changed with this, because we're about being and making disciples. We're, we're about you seeing God and knowing God and being transformed and growing and going out to make these disciples where He puts us, and that's kind of what we keep talking about here. And then discover you because you're different from me and from her and from him and Daniel and we're all different with different gifting yet the same spirit the same God and then from that live out your purpose and so if you want to know how to stand firm well you need to know God you need to know you who he made he made you unique and then you need to know what to do with it and how you can do it and how you can go out and and, and serve God and so summer here's what's kind of cool about this as I'm literally about to get out of here man I talked that long and um is summer is the perfect time for this. It's done online. And so go to the website or, you know, Mallory and, and Mitch, they'll hook you up in the back. And this is a great time to go through this during the summer as we gear up for a really exciting fall. Like there's so many things in the work. It's like in, in the works, I'm like, let's go to Canada and let's come back and then let's get at it. And so take, go through growth track um, over the next month or two and, and let's come really excited um, for the fall, and so whatever you're going to face or whatever you're facing now, let's face it together that That sure sounds better than just you know one guy in a lions den all by yourself. You're not alone. Christ is with you, and there's a church. the church, god's people can't wait to walk alongside you, and so that's where we're at here. And so the last blank on your card and it says i'm gonna I'm gonna pull a little prank on you. Is this is not a typo? I don't need blank if I have Jesus. And so I was being a little silly. Although five years ago in that hut was not silly. But like I said, I don't need George because I've got Jesus. Don't write. Please don't write George in your blank. What is it that you think you need? Right now, later. Like I don't. I don't need money because I've got Jesus. I don't need. To be noticed by others and validated, whether it's social media or even in person. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be noticed, like God notices you. And and I pray that the shepherds in this body will notice you and walk with you. But I get that. That can be hard. But you don't need that if you have Jesus. Look at any of the prophets in Scripture. I mean, Jesus said, hey, you killed them all. They were all killed. You don't need... I'm gonna, I didn't say tequila, but I'm going to say sex. You don't need sex if you've got Jesus or pornography or all the, you like the king. Like, hey, n- no distractions tonight. You don't need to binge and drink and, and TV all night. You've got Jesus. And, and you don't need, even need, I'm going to get even more real, you don't even need your health. And what is Daniel and, remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his homeboys from earlier? You don't even need your life. You literally do not need your life to be with Jesus. In fact, you could almost say the opposite. You want to be with Jesus, that's going to come. So we don't need to fear that day or the how. Maybe it will be a lion in Ethiopia or something. We don't need it. I don't, I don't need... Fill in your blank. So there's some space. Here's how we want to kind of close this. is, is if I pray that that's speaking to you and the blanks. And you're like, man, I'm glad I didn't mention the one that it really is for me. Um, write that down. We're going to close with a, with a time of communion. And you might notice in front of you, uh, I know my five-year-old noticed it, and she might have stolen some. So if you're missing them, give a hand up. She collects communion cups. Um, in the seat back in front of you, we, we placed them. We're kind of trying something different this time. It was Mitch's idea, so if you don't like it, take it up with him. And, and I want to walk us, walk us through that. And, and then we'll take the communion together. So the band's going to come up. Band come up, go, come up now. And, and they're going to play. But Daniel had an extraordinary spirit of God moving in him and through him. And Jesus says, thank you, Kent. In, in John, oh, yes. In John 15, he says, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. Abide in me, and I will, all right. and I will abide, and you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That is the message of Daniel. You want to stand firm? Go ahead, muscle up on your own. You can do nothing. Fully surrender through Christ and the work He's done, and the whole yield to the Holy Spirit. Jesus says mountains will move. I think mustard seed snuck in somewhere this morning. Faith of a mustard seed. That's it. Just a tiniest little thing. And so we remember that in communion.